I hear the same stories over and over and over again, that there is just not enough resources for women and their healthcare and their safety and their protection and their empowerment. And it's the same story. It doesn't matter whether you live on a dollar a day or a thousand dollars a day, you have the same needs as a female. Welcome to Ending Domestic Abuse, a one-of-a-kind virtual resource for helping victims escape abuse, empowering survivors, and preventing relationship violence before it can even start by giving you the tools to improve your confidence, life skills, and hope. I'm your host, Dr. Ludi Green, a national expert on violence against women and children. On my podcast, you will hear from top experts in fields like finance, economics, psychology, and more, and you'll hear stories from people who have defied the odds, overcome abuse, and found their way to success. Together, we'll offer you support and practical ideas to pursue your goals, start on a new path, and protect yourself and others from abuse. Today, we'll be talking with Kate Roberts. Kate is the founder of the Body Agency and the Maverick Collective, amongst many other projects. These two organizations are focused on creating better access for women's health across the globe. Let's meet her after this short break. We'll be right back after this short break. Ending Domestic Abuse is brought to you by Audible. Something you need to know about me is that I love to multitask. I'm a mother, a wife, and as an entrepreneur who had to build her own path to success, I'm always looking for ways to continue learning and to use my time more effectively. Audible has been a great resource for me, and I can have access to hundreds of audiobooks from the palm of my hand and listen to them as I commute to work, while cook dinner, and when I go on a run. Listeners who have enjoyed some of our episodes on self-care will love Audible's huge list of self-help books, as well as their guided wellness program. It is so important to continue to learn and improve yourself. You are worth it. Don't wait. Head to audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse to start your free trial so they know we send you. All proceeds will go to improving this podcast to help even more victims of violence. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse, and this is your host, Dr. Ludi Green. The month of February is a time where many people celebrate love and relationships. With Valentine's Day being heavily marketed in the United States, it can seem that love is everywhere, literally. For many people, Valentine's Day is a time of celebration. However, it can also be an extremely difficult time for survivors of domestic abuse or those currently in abusive relationships. There is a lot of pressure putting on having the perfect Valentine's Day, which can make an already unsteady relationship more volatile or stressful. February also is National Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. According to the CDC, approximately one in 12 teens experience physical dating violence or sexual dating violence while in high school. Teen dating violence can also play a role in an already present issue for young people, body image. One study found that over 50% of American girls were unhappy with their bodies at the age of 13. This percentage grew to 78% for girls the age of 17. Someone who experiences teen dating violence is at an even higher risk of developing negative body image and self-esteem and in being in abusive relationships in the future. In order to combat these issues, 
holistic approaches need to be taken to address overall health and wellness for women and girls across the country and the globe. I am so excited to have Kay Roberts joining us today, who has been working on just that throughout her career, from developing nonprofits and initiatives that target pressing issues related to domestic violence and women's health, to creating an online space for people to educate themselves on important topics in women's healthcare. Kay has been engaging with the public for decades to increase women's access to healthcare. She has been recognized in Vogue's 100 Top Women, Fortune's Most Powerful Women, and at the World Economic Forum as a 2007 Young Global Leader. We are so honored to have you here t- today, Kay. Thank you so much for being in our podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Ludi. It's great to be here, and thank you for all your amazing work that you've done. Oh, thank you. We're so honored to have you on the show today to share your story and your incredible work. So let's start off. We would love for you to tell us our to tell us and our listeners a little more about yourself and your background. I understand you had the opportunity to travel across the globe at a young age, mm-hmm. which fuel your interest in your current work. So can you share with us? Sure. I actually started traveling the world when I was four years old. My father was a sea captain uh, for the Merchant Navy. And so I grew up at a very young age, going to different countries, seeing how different cultures live, and of course, experiencing poverty. So that was the norm for me. And Mm -hmm. I knew that this was in my blood. And I've always had this sense of service in me. And it just was part of me. So that's where it all started. And I then, as soon as I graduated from college, I started traveling and and actually working in advertising and public relations in different countries in the world. I lived in Russia. I lived in Romania. I lived in Holland. I've lived in Belgium, in all Myanmar, (laughs) Burma. I've lived and worked everywhere. You're the best representation of United Nations. This is wonderful. Yeah, I feel like the United Nations. <laughs> Love it. Without yes. the red tape. <laughs> yes. But yes, I, I think understanding all the travel and understanding cultures and really always looking at the gaps and the opportunities that exist fuels has fueled my passion for the work around women's health. Yeah, I I totally agree with you that the travel that you have done, the experiences that your family brought to you into your life is when it made you who you are now in caring and, you know, in being able to give yourself for others in helping others. For decades, you have worked at Population Services International. What was your experience like working at such a large global NGO and how did that experience form your philanthropic endeavors? Yeah. So I worked at PSI for about 20 years, and it was an incredible platform for me to start different initiatives, again, around the gaps that I saw in the healthcare system. And, you know, working for such a large NGO, which was at the time in about 60 countries, I was able to travel extensively to these different countries, all in the developing world. So I would often, you know, go to Africa, go to Central America to Eastern Europe, Southeast Mm -hmm. Asia, India, the Caribbean, you name it. We had programs there. And 
PSI has an interesting way of going about changing behavior around Mm -hmm. these different diseases that are essentially affecting women mostly. And I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, females, cervical cancer, breast cancer, and so on, but also access to reproductive health, contraception, maternal Mm -hmm. health. And on these travels, I was able to see you know, where all the money was going and, you know, what the donors were willing to fund. And, you know, when we talk about domestic violence, it it sort of is put in a bucket together with mental health and, you know, Mm -hmm. things like menopause and, you Mm -hmm. know, different issues that are not considered to be healthcare. Right? Domestic violence is not considered healthcare. Mental health is not considered healthcare. Sexual wellness is not considered healthcare. So the the big dollars were going to things like HIV/AIDS prevention, and mm-hmm. you know there was always this sort of flavor of the month of where the big donors would give you money. Mm-hmm. So my time at PSI was very interesting because they allowed me to be their sort of resident social entrepreneur. And I would invent initiatives like Youth AIDS and Five and Alive and then Maverick Collective that would raise money and awareness for the issues that I believed needed the resources the most. So domestic violence was one of the issues that I worked on. Mm -hmm. And you know, wherever you go in the world, Ludi, and, you know, you know this because of the work that you do, you know, mm-hmm. abuse comes in various forms, you know, a human human rights come in various mm-hmm. forms, you know, not having access to contraception and having 12 children is, mm-hmm. is a, it, it's a human right to be able to choose how many children that you should be having based mm-hmm. on also what you can afford. It's a human right to be able to take contraception. It's a human right to have access to, you know, the HIV AIDS drugs that you need to survive. But it, 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 it also is a human right to be able to escape domestic abuse. And mm-hmm. uh, I, again, I say this because it's so frustrating that, you know, one in four people suffer with mental health issues, but there's z- zero funding to be able to support that reality. That is so true. Were you able to work with USAID at all? Yes, a lot. The US Agency for Inter- I was get, I was getting that because I saw the name of this organization previously. Yeah. It seems very familiar. Yeah, because just like I mean, you guys seem like you have done so much good work there around the globe. And yeah. But throughout throughout all of your work, you have focused on women empowerment, supporting women globally. Yes. So you start up the body agency, which focused on increasing access to body well-being for women. What inspired you to start this organization specifically? And what has the process been like of creating this resource for women? Mm-hmm. Do you have any stories you can share about yeah. connections you made throughout your so, work? So during my career, as you know, I've been traveling a lot. And whenever I go to a country, I visit clinics and hospitals and local uh-huh. villages. And I sit with uh-huh. women and, and their families and I hear the same stories over and over and over again, that there is just not enough resources for women and their healthcare and their safety Mm -hmm. and their protection and their empowerment. And it's the (laughs) same story. It doesn't matter whether you live on a dollar a day or a thousand dollars a day, you have the same needs as a female. You know, you need 
affordable, accessible healthcare that you shouldn't have to walk for four hours to get to a local clinic. And then when you arrive, all of the health products have, have expired or that there's nobody available to treat you. So mm-hmm. I, having you know had this experience for the last 20 odd years, I realized that there were some significant gaps that existed around sexual wellness, around period poverty, you know, young girls getting their periods and not being able to stay in school because they didn't have the sanitary protection that they needed to be able to go to school. And if they did, they would get to school and then there was no place to put the used sanitary towel or, you know, the sanitary system was, the, the infrastructure was not set up to be able to manage girls' periods. And it's incredible how the burden that this will put on the community and on, on on girls. And and then if you if you really look at the world, you know, I've worked 20 odd years in, in healthcare, not once was the word menopause muttered. Right. Nobody even mentions, not even care. No, no. Well, you're considered yeah. that your 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 cell by date is over. Yeah. As in you're not, you can't produce children. Correct. You can't produce children anymore. So why should we even tell you about what's going to happen to your body? Right. And so I realized that, you know, such a huge gap in our healthcare system. Doctors aren't trained on how to take a woman through menopause. Doctors aren't trained on hormones because it's not seen as a part of life. So Mm -hmm. the moment that that happens to you, so imagine us in our reality of Mm -hmm. being the, you know, 1% of the world, right, where we have a robust healthcare system, we have, you know, access to doctors, we have you know, full access to the internet. We can pretty much find what we need, but it's still not easy. And so, no. <laughs> imagine the rest of the world. It, well, that's my point. Imagine the rest of the world because oh the rest gosh. of the world is what mm. I know. And, you know, I've sat with these women and I can only imagine how hard that must be and, and what anguish and anxiety and mental health issues come out of that where you just don't know what's happening to your body. And so I wanted to start the body agency to fill these important gaps from puberty all the way through Mm -hmm. to menopause. Also develop a platform to tell the stories, to remove Mm -hmm. the stigma and taboos and discrimination that women, the shame that women feel about their bodies. It's enormous shame. You know, when you're in an abusive relationship, nobody wants to talk about it. You suck it up. As women, you know, you think first of your family and the you put yourself last on the list, right? So mm-hmm. I am mental health. You're embarrassed, right? If you it's mm-hmm. not just about feeling blue, you know, mental health is a, is is a medical condition. Mm-hmm. It needs treatment. And of course, you know, all the way our bodies function, just purely mm-hmm. as women, what our bodies go through. I wanted to make sure that we could create access to the products the services and the education that everybody needs to thrive. And that's when the body agency came to fruition. And then we started the body agency collective, which is our charity foundation where with proceeds of what we make in the company, we, we then send dignity kits out to vulnerable girls and women who, you know, that is wonderful. Right now we're sending them out to the Ukraine, you know, 
It's unbelievable, unbelievable, this group that you created about the agency sounds like amazing. I want to learn even more about it and in ways that whatever I can participate seriously. Yeah, well. Because if you, if you think about it, we didn't mention childbirth, the risk of childbirth and death. Mm-hmm. Are people aware of that? People talk about it? No, and even in America, so many people die from childbirth. And it's very acute in African-American populations. You know, yes. we, we live in D.C. with a large mm-hmm. African-American and Hispanic community and mm-hmm. more at risk because the healthcare system doesn't make allowances in those disparities mm-hmm. in healthcare. So they don't. You know, I also have a podcast, Sex, Body and Soul, and we we talk about this a lot mm-hmm. where, you mm-hmm. know, if you're African American, you want to go to an African American doctor who understands what your risks are. You want to go mm-hmm. to a doctor who looks like you. That mm-hmm. is that understands your culture. And, you know, if you're, if you're an Orthodox Jewish person, you want to be able to go to a doctor who understands your religion and your beliefs and your values and, and, and your culture. Right. And the same with Muslim women. And, you know, I could go on. So mm-hmm. and we, we have to take the shame out of all of this because the shame is a huge barrier. Mm-hmm for us to thrive. Because if we can't talk about this amongst each other, then we're not going to be able to open up to doctors or the medical providers that can actually give us help. So I really want to start breaking down those those walls and, and the taboos and the shame that goes with them. Oh, listen, I love it. Count on me on anything I can do. Seriously. I mean it. Yeah. I join, I join forces with you. I mean it. This is really important. Uh-huh. As you may know, February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, and this podcast often focuses on bringing awareness to issues of intimate partner violence and domestic abuse. Can you speak on some of the advocacy you have done for ending domestic violence? Yes, I actually worked on domestic violence and suicide, actually, suicide prevention in a Mm -hmm. number of countries, in the Dominican Republic, in Central America, and also in India where I'm sure you remember when the Indian girl got gang raped on the bus. It was a massive international scandal. And it was very interesting, actually, because when that happened, I was at the World Economic Forum and Mm -hmm. Davos. There's a meeting every year at Davos, and I was at Davos. And there is a large Indian contingency of businessmen who go to Davos from India. There's a lot, and it's, it's, it's almost like a little village of Indian businessmen. And for the first time in all the years, I've been going to Davos for about 11, 12 years now, but the first time I was able to engage the Indian community of men in domestic violence wow. because they exactly. were also so shocked at this story that had gone you know, mm-hmm. global in its reach And, you know, I hate to say this, but that disgusting, terrible, tragic accident did start a dialogue that was able to put certain programs in place. And the way I go about my work in both advocacy, but also in grassroots programs is is really looking at the linkages because you do have, as I've been saying all the way through this podcast, a lack of funding to end domestic violence. 
and and mental health issues. And they go hand in hand, right? You're not beating mm-hmm. somebody up because you're completely sane, right? It's right. not it's not good no. behavior. There are mm-hmm. psychological problems there. So mm-hmm. the linkages, and this is the work that we did, we looked at the existing infrastructure. Let's take India, what we did in India. We took the existing infrastructure of clinics that were receiving women and we linked up the sort of domestic abuse crisis centers and minimal because there was minimal infrastructure and and technology, but also there was minimal expertise in detecting domestic violence issues. So we, we worked predominantly with the family planning clinics that would receive patients and to train them to detect domestic violence issues. And then we would, we, we sort of built the infrastructure. We built the system together mm-hmm. with technology, you know, alerting people through phones and through apps. And that's what it's all about, right? It's all about the linkages. It's making sure that you use the existing infrastructure that's in that one country that can infiltrate because it's such a delicate issue. And women, women are scared. They're scared to leave their families. They don't have the resources to leave, right? They don't have the resources to leave an abusive relationship. So Mm -hmm. they stay. And so it's a very complicated, it's a very complex and complicated issue, as you well know, because this is the work that you do. Thank you for having, you know, done that work and for putting, you know, I mean, yourself in it, because it's a very hard work. Anything relating on violence against women is is very complicated, and I appreciate this. As a successful businesswoman and philanthropist, you're starting Youth Aids, Five and Alive, and then the Maveri Collective, and the last of which was created alongside Melinda Gates and the Crown Princess of Norway. Do you have any advice for people wanting to start their own organization for the first time? Mm. Well, I I do, actually. I would say three things. The first is identifying your passion, right? So, Mm -hmm. Ludi, you're extremely passionate about ending domestic violence, right? You know know what you want to do. So that's the first Mm -hmm. thing, right? Know what you want to do. And then the second is strategy, right? It's Mm -hmm. all about strategy, how to get to the people that you need to help you. Because you can't go this alone. The key here is is partnership. The key here is building your infrastructure. And the key is also not reinventing the wheel. This is my real pet peeve. There are amazing organizations out there like yours that are doing Mm -hmm. great work. Don't just reinvent the the wheel as a founder, right? right? So many founders are out there thinking, okay, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going to do it because they haven't done their research and they don't realize what's already out there. So I've really built my career first at PSI where, you know, PSI was my sort of distribution network. They had programs in 60 countries around the world. I was recognizing the gaps and raising money to implement Mm -hmm. the programs. I wasn't trying to do it all myself. I knew when I started Maverick Collective, together with the Crown Princess of Norway, I knew that we needed a figurehead such as Melinda Gates, who has done so much, and she was our idol. and, And we wanted to create little mini Melinda Gates, right? So we, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we asked her to be our chair and mm-hmm. then the rest followed. We sort of went around the world and engaged 
some of the you know high net worth families from different countries who wanted to join us and Melinda in becoming a, an effective philanthropist and advocate for women's issues. And mm-hmm. you know we 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 sort of cooked this up as a as a pilot to see if this could work in philanthropy. So my advice is don't try and go it alone, right? Build your right. build your tribe, build your team. And don't see yourself as a boss, right? I think mm-hmm. you know that that also the people who work with you and essentially for you are going to make you successful and your partnerships with others also will help you to become successful because so much exists already around the world. Why recreate it? If you've got a good idea, build it out of what already exists. What a great advice you're giving and trust me. I've made a lot of mistakes. And the, the last thing I would say is don't be afraid to pivot. If something's not right. working, you know, don't flog a dead horse, as we say <laughs> in England. You know, if something's not working, <laughs> change it. It's not, you you haven't failed. You just need to pivot. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like so set on their idea. And I've been there, you know, where you just strongly believe in what you're doing to a point where it's like, listen, you can't get blood out of a stone. If this is not selling, if if you're not gaining partnerships, if, if, if this isn't working, just start again and pivot, try something new. Until, right. you know, it takes off. And, and then the very last thing I'll say is don't do anything that won't scale. Like if it's a really good idea, it will scale. You know, always try to create something that really can scale. You know, I'm into world impact. And if something is successful in Washington, D.C., it can be successful all over the world if culturally relevant and tailored to that market. So... I think that's a really good piece of advice. If it's if it can't scale, it's probably not a great idea. Totally agree. Kate, thank you so much for all your insight and wisdom, seriously. And we can wait to see what's next for you. How can our listeners learn more about your organizations, follow along with any updates and connect with you? Sure. Well, my Instagram is the real Kate Roberts. <laughs> You can follow The Body Agency. So sign up for the website. There's lots of great stuff there at thebodyagency.com. And then our foundation, our charitable work that's sending the dignity kits around the world is tbacollective.org. Please do get in touch if anybody is interested in getting involved, volunteering, donating. Mm -hmm. We love to bring on families and philanthropists and, and partner with organizations. I am such a fan of collaborations and partnerships, you know, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel, right? So we find a place for everybody. We find a role for everyone who wants to have impact around the world. Thanks once again to our guest, Kate Roberts, and thanks to you for listening. No matter who you are or what you have been through, you can find help and you can find a way out of abuse and into your new life. Send us an email through our website at ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com, or you can call our hotline at 202-643-2327. That's 202-643-2327. We'll help you find a way out to freedom. You can find me on social media at Dr. Ludi Green on Instagram and Twitter. You can also help stop abuse by spreading word of our podcast. Just go on Spotify and please give us a five-star rating or share your comments. 
Thank you again. And together, let's all find a life you deserve.